That's a challenge. I think we could give the invitation right now. If each one would reach one. I'm amazed at how the Lord orchestrates the services. When we don't get together a lot of times with the singers and, and things like that, and yet the Lord puts together the service in such a perfect way. And as the choir was singing, and then uh, some of the things that were said earlier today, and then as Miss Krista sang that song, I thought, well, it's amazing how God just puts the service together. And so I want, uh, to, I want you to do me a favor. I've got Genesis 16 on your screen, but I want to change that up just a little bit today. I want you to turn back one chapter. I want you to turn back to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to do something today that is uh, homiletically incorrect. And so uh, they teach you, I guess, in Bible college that you're never supposed to, to start a sermon by reading a lot of scripture. And so we're going we're gonna to go against that today. And we're going to read a lot of scripture today. A lot more scripture than we normally would. And so I'll tell you what we'll do. Um, let's all stand. And uh, we won't read enough that, that hopefully won't keep you standing too long today. Genesis chapter 15 in your Bibles. And maybe we'll just read the first part and I'll let you have a seat and then we'll go back after the prayer and I'll read all the rest of the scripture today. Genesis chapter 15 in your Bibles. Now, what a blessing to have a Bible today, amen? amen? Genesis 15 and verse number four. The Bible says, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, talking about Abraham, saying, this shall not be thine heir. In other words, Abram, you've got this servant in your house, Eliezer, but this shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Verse 6 says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. I'm going to let you have a seat, and, and uh, we're going to uh, have a prayer, and then we'll come back, and, and again, we're going to read a lot of scripture today, just for a few moments, and then we'll jump right into the Bible study. I'm not going to put points up on the screen today. I'm just going to, just, we're just going to hammer one nail today as I talk to you about an allegory of salvation, an allegory of salvation, and so let's pray. And we'll jump right into the Bible study today. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being back at Calvary Baptist Church. And Lord, we've so enjoyed the fellowship this morning. It's been, it's been absolutely tremendous. And just uh, fellowshipping with the family of God and seeing people love on each other. And, and uh, Lord, it's just it's wonderful. And we just uh, thank you for letting us be a part of it. And then, Lord, for the great music service today. And thank you for the instrumentalists and the musicians Lord, that you've sent our way, and Lord, thank you that they're using their talents for the glory of Jesus Christ. Thank you for our singers, Lord, that you've also sent here, and that they're using their talent, their gift, for the glory of, of Jesus Christ. And God, we pray now that our hearts have been warmed, and I pray that they've been opened. And Lord, I pray that we'll be good hearers today, but not just hearers, but doers. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit now, as we talk about one of the most important subjects 
if not the most important subject that we could ever talk about. We'll talk about what Miss Krista sang about today. And so, Lord, knit our hearts together now. Save that one that may be under the sound of my voice today that, that does not know that they're on their way to heaven, that one that's watching by way of live stream today that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. They don't know him as their personal Lord and Savior. And I pray today, Father, that's about to change. And so, Lord, help us now. We pray, and we pray that the blessed Savior would receive glory and praise from all that's done. We love you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Well, I want you to take your Bibles down, if you will, and turn one chapter over. Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. We find in Genesis chapter 15 that God has came to Abram and he's promised Abram that he's going to give Abram a child. He's going to give Abram a son. And he's going to make that, that uh, lineage as the stars of heaven. Look in Genesis chapter 16 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. We learned the other night in revival where Hagar came from. Verse 2 says, And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I want to ask you a question. Is that true or is that false? Well, it's really false. Because God had promised that he was going to give Abraham a son. And Sarah said, verse 2, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram <clears throat> hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, uh, after Abram had dwelt tw- uh, 10 years <clears throat> in the land of Canaan and gave her to, a- to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar. And she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now skip down, same chapter, verse 15. And Hagar bare Abram a son. And Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare, Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Now I want you to turn over a few pages to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter number 21. God comes to Abram in chapter 15 and says, Abram, I'm going to give you a son. In Genesis chapter 16, we find that Abram and Sarah are lacking faith and they decide to take matters into their own hands. God gives a child, but not necessarily the way that he had planned on giving a child. Genesis chapter 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah, notice these words, as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah, notice these words, as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived. And bear Abraham a son in his old age, notice these words, 
at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Same chapter, skip down to verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned. Talking about Isaac. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. <coughs> Verse 11, excuse me. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham, Abraham's sight because of his son. Verse 12, interesting. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of, thy, of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. I'm really interested in those last, that last verse, verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away, sent her and the child away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. I've got to be honest, and I hope I'm not the only one, but I've got to be honest, for a long, long time, this story always sort of bothered me. How could Abraham take Hagar, a lady, although she was an Egyptian, she was a bondwoman, she was a slave, how could Abraham take Hagar, a lady that he has been intimate with, and not only Hagar, but Ishmael, a child that he has biologically fathered, and just send them into the desert? Man, I've read that and read that and read that, and I thought, man, that just doesn't seem right. I understand this situation is not as far from ideal. I understand that this is not this is not the way that God wanted this to happen. This was not the prophesied way. But to take this lady, Hagar, and to take Ishmael, his biological son, and to send them into the desert, at least right off the bat, it just doesn't seem fair. It does not seem right. What's even more confusing about this story is, is that it seems that God is endorsing the actions of Abraham. And when you read that, you're thinking, man, what in the world? What would possess Abraham? What would possess Sarah? I understand. I get it. I get it, Sarah. I get it. He's not your son, biologically. I get it. I understand that he was mocking Isaac. I, I, I understand. I, I, I get that. But man, to, to send them off into the wilderness with a bottle of water and little provision, to wander in the wilderness 
of Beersheba. To me at least, it did not seem right until until I went to the New Testament. Now I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and I want you to turn over to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. And I want you to find your place in verse number four, uh, chapter number four, Galatians, chapter number four. And I want, to, I want you to look with me, please, if you will, Galatians chapter four. And I want you to look, please, at verse number 22. Galatians chapter four, verse number 22. And we find in the New Testament that the New Testament begins to make an explanation of what we just read in the Old Testament. Galatians chapter four, verse number 22 says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was promised, was by promise. Verse 24, here it is. Which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which generate the bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and as with the Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. In other words... Ishmael mocked Isaac. That's what verse 29 is talking about. Even so, it is now. Does the world still make fun of Christian people? Yes, it does. Do they make fun of your Bible? Yes, they do. They make fun of your shout? Yes, they do. Do they make fun of your stand? Yes, they do. Do they make fun of your God? Yes, they do. Verse 30 says, nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? This is so important. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. That's what we just read. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Now, if you read that story in Genesis, at first glance, you're thinking, man, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem just that they would send Hagar and Ishmael out into the desert to wander in the wilderness of Beersheba. It just does not seem fair. But what we must understand this morning, folks, is that God is painting a very, very important picture here in the Old Testament. Uh, It is what Scripture refers to as an allegory, a comparison, a parable. This entire story we read in Genesis is a picture of salvation. It is an Old Testament, an Old Testament illustration of New Testament truth. Again, notice Genesis, uh, Galatians, Galatians 4, verse 24, which things are an allegory. They are a picture. They are a parable. They are a comparison. And the allegory or the picture, and don't miss this, the allegory is this, that you and I must enter the family of God through God's 
We've got to come through that ordained plan. That's what God is saying here. That's the, that is the, that, that's the picture. Now, some would argue and say, well, but preacher Ishmael, Ishmael was in fact a son of Abraham. But I want you to understand something, that God never recognized Ishmael as a legitimate son. Amen. Now, hang with me, hang with me now. I think you'll understand what we're going to be talking about here in just a moment. Do you understand this morning that Ishmael was a product of a humanly devised plan. Ishmael was an invention of man. He was totally thought up in the mind of man. God came to Abram and said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And I'm going to multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. But a little bit down the road, Abram and, and Sarah begin to lack faith a little bit. And, and especially Sarai and Sarah said, well, evidently God's not going to do what God said he's going to do. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe the Lord's hand is shortened. And so maybe we're going to have to assist God. By the way, be very careful when you think you've got to start assisting God. Because God doesn't need my help and God doesn't need your help, my dear friend. And so Sarah said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I've got this slave over here and uh, she's a young, uh, a young girl and I'm, I'm up in age. And, and, uh, and so I'm going to, I'm going to let you go in under this slave and I'm going to let you bear a child uh, through this slave, this bond woman. But understand that it was totally thought up in the mind of a man. Therefore, God considered Ishmael as illegitimate. Because of this, he was banished to the wilderness. Now again, someone says, preacher, that doesn't make any sense to me. But I want us to understand that God's ways are not our ways. Uh, Isaiah said his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And a lot of things that we consider to be acceptable are not acceptable in the sight of God. Let me illustrate. And hang with me here. I'm going to go off base, but we'll come back here in just a moment. How many remember the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11, 2 Samuel chapter 12? The Bible says that David went up on the top of the king's palace and he was looking out, probably knew what he would see. And the Bible says that when David looked out, he saw a woman bathing herself, Bathsheba. She's beautiful. David, the king, should have looked away, but he did not. He looked and he lusted. He inquired after, uh, after Bathsheba, and, and someone said, uh, King, that's, uh, that's Uriah's wife. And David said, get her for me. He brings Bathsheba in. You know the tainted story. He commits adultery with another man's wife. He sins against God. He not only commits adultery, but she sends word and says, I'm with child. And it's your fault. It's your, your, your baby. David tries to cover up the, you know, he tries to cover it up. So he brings Uriah in from the battle and he tries to get Uriah to sleep with his wife. And Uriah is an honorable man and he's dedicated to Israel. And, and so he won't even go down to, the, down to his house while Israel's in battle. And, and so that doesn't work. And so finally David writes a, a letter and he sends it to Joab and he says, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle. And when the battle's going really good and strong, retire from him so somebody will kill him. And so David commits adultery. David fathers a child with another man's wife. He has that husband killed. And then David marries Bathsheba. And some would say, everything's all right. 
You understand that God never looked on Bathsheba as the legitimate wife of David? You know, every time you see that, it says the wife of Uriah. The wife of Uriah. The wife of Uriah. What we see as acceptable is not always accepted in God's sight. And I said that for a reason. Did you know that just because someone is sincere in what they believe doesn't make it true? And it doesn't make it accurate. And somebody says, well, I, 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 I know, but this is the way I've always believed and this is the way I've always practiced and, and, uh, and, 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 and pastor, I'm, I'm sold out to this and I appreciate your dedication, but just because you're sincere and just because I'm sincere does not mean that it's accepted in the sight of God. And so you've heard the story. I think it's been, a long, it's been the old building since I've told this story. And so there was, a, uh, there was a, 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 an apartment complex that caught fire and and the fire alarms went off and, and the alarms went out to the fire stations and the fire trucks began to roll in and they began to roll their hoses off the trucks and the, the, the men began to get on, on their, their uh, oxygen mask and all those things and, and, and to go out and fight the fire. And as they did, they noticed that there was a lady standing outside the building and she was literally hysterical. She was beside herself, hysterical. And so one of the firemen went over and he said, ma'am, it's all right, we're here. We're gonna fight the fire. Everything's gonna be okay. She said, no, you don't understand. She said, my baby's still in there. That fireman, without regard to his own life, rushed into this building. It's burning. The smoke is pouring out. The black, dark smoke. He, he finally makes his way to this lady's apartment. By this time, he's on his hands and his knees. The smoke is, is choking. He can't see, so he's just feeling around. He makes his way just trying to follow the, the directions that the mother gave him. He makes his way finally into the little uh, area that she had designed for the nursery and he begins to feel around for anything that feels like a baby. And sure enough, he feels the child. He grabs the child. He wraps the child up in a blanket and he makes his way through the flames and he comes running out. The smoke's barreling off of him. By this time, a crowd had had assembled outside and, and he comes out with that little bundle of joy and, and as he does, the, the, the crowd erupts in applause and, and they're like, yes, hurrah, yes, you're a, you're a hero. And that little mom comes over and that fireman lays that bundle of joy wrapped up in that blanket. He lays that bundle of joy into the arms of its mom and the mom says, I don't know how I'll ever thank you for risking your life to save my baby. She begins to unwrap that blanket and what she finds is a baby doll. It felt like a baby. It had little members like a baby. They make a lot of baby dolls that feel very real nowadays. That fireman thought it was the baby. Uh, in, in the heat of the moment, literally, he just wrapped it up thinking that he was saving the child when in essence the baby was still inside the burning building. Wait a minute now. What's your point, Pastor? My point is he was very sincere. No one would ever doubt his sincerity. He was so sincere that he was willing to give up his own life. He was very sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. 
Hey, Calvary, the moral of the story this morning is this, that if you're going to be a promised child of God, if you're going to be a part of God's family, you must come through God's promised plan. Fast forward. If you're going to be a child of God, you must come through Jesus Christ. That's it. You say, well, what are the other ways? There are no other ways. There's no other ways. And by the way, it doesn't matter what any celebrity says. It doesn't matter what a talk show host says. It doesn't matter what a preacher says. It doesn't matter what an evangelist says. I'm telling you, there is no other way to come to God except through Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. In John chapter 10, verse number 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Listen, I want you to pay attention to that definite article. The Jesus said, I am the door. I'm not one of the doors. I'm not pick a door. Is it door number one, door number two, or door number three? There's only one. And his name is Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse number six says it like this. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now you say, Pastor, why are you preaching that? And I'm preaching that because of this. A lot of folk, and maybe some are watching today by way of live stream, but a lot of folk are trying alternate ways. But I want you to understand those alternate ways are illegitimate. They're illegitimate. They're not accepted by God. They're not recognized by God. What do you mean, Pastor? Some are trying religion. If I can be, if I can be religious enough, I believe I can make it into the family of God. If I can just be religious enough. Now I want us to understand this morning. I'm not religious, so I can be saved. I am religious because I am saved. There's a big difference, by the way. But someone says, well, you know what? Maybe if I can go to church enough times. I mean, maybe if I go on Sunday morning, come back on Sunday night, and, 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 and if I go, you know, a lot, you know, maybe that'll be enough. Maybe if, I, maybe if I say enough Hail Marys, maybe if I'm confirmed, maybe if I join the church membership, Maybe if I get baptized enough times, but listen to what Matthew chapter seven says, not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This is all I'm saying. Hey, church, religion, won't get you there. It won't get you there. It's hard to believe that this was written 50 years ago. Someone said first dentistry was painless. Then bicycles were chainless. And carriages were horseless. And many laws enforceless. Next cookery was fireless. Telegraphy was wireless. Cigars were nicotineless. 
and coffee caffeineless. Soon oranges were seedless, the pudding green was weedless, the college boy hatless, the proper diet fatless, now motor roads are dustless. The, late, the, the latest steel is rustless, our tennis courts are sodless, and our new religions are godless. That's 50 years ago. Somebody wrote that, wrote that 50 years ago. What, what, what are you saying? I'm saying that Ishmael, Ishmael was illegitimate. In the sight of God, he was illegitimate. And any other thing that you're trying to get yourself to heaven is illegitimate in the sight of God. Whether it's religion, whether, whether it is good work, somebody said, and this is, this is the way that most people today in America, this is the way they think. Well, if I can just balance out the scales... And so if I do a whole lot of, a lot of bad, of course, the scales are tipped and I'm going to go to hell. But if I, can, if I can do more good than I do bad, I'm going to go to heaven. But listen to what the prophet Isaiah said about our good works. In Isaiah 64, 6, but we all are all as an unclean thing and our, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying your works are not going to do it. Your good works are not going to get you there. Titus 3, 5, the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hey, listen to me. Let me help us today. I'm, I'm almost done. Let me help us. If you try one of these illegitimate ways, you're not going to make it. And by the way, don't get mad at me, and you watching my way of life, don't get mad at me. I love you enough, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you're going to become a Christian, you've got to choose a plan that works. And Jesus Christ is the only plan. Oh, you say, Pastor, I, I, I knew that before I came in here. Okay then give me a little grace as I try to speak to those who don't. And let me try to help those, that one that may be watching by way of the live stream today, that for all these years has been depending on their works, depending on their religion. Pastor, I'm the best Catholic that you've ever seen, and I'm not knocking that. I'm not criticizing you, but I'm just saying that, that you can be the Pope yourself, but it won't take you to heaven. You say, Pastor, I can't believe you didn't even say that. Listen, the Pope must come through the blood just like you and I come through the blood. And if we're going to make it to heaven, it's not by our religion, it's not by our religious works, it's not by our good works, it's not by our church attendance. We've got we've to come by way of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting picture. There were three men that were running from an enemy. It was late at night and 
the enemy and the dogs were right on their right on their heels and they were just barely evading the enemy. Didn't really know where they were going and dark. And finally, these three men ran to a place where they could go no further. It was a very steep cliff that went down to some jagged rocks. The ocean waves were crashing up on the rocks and they couldn't go back because of the oppressors. They couldn't go forward because of the cliff. And so these three men thought, what are we to do? On that specific night, the moon seemed to be so close. It really seemed like you could just reach out from the cliff and you could touch the moon. And so one of the men said, I've got an idea. If we could, if we could somehow jump from the cliff to the moon, we can get away from our oppressor. And so sure enough, the first man was somewhat of a cripple, wasn't very agile, and he thought, I'm going to give it my best shot. He backed up the best he could, and he sort of hobbled over to the edge of the cliff, and he jumped with all of his might. He jumped as hard as he could. He really did. But, of course, you know the story. Gravity took over. He fell to those jagged rocks, and his body was broken, and the waves came up, and they took his body out to the sea. The next man said, I'll not let that mistake happen to me. I've got to do more. I've got to jump harder. I've got to be more dedicated. I've got to do, I've got to do better than the other guy. I've got to do better. I've got to do better. I've got to do better. And so he backed up a little further and he ran with all of his might towards the edge of the cliff and he reached for the moon. And of course, you know the story. Gravity took over and it pulled his body down and he hit those rocks and his body was broken. And those waves came up and they took him out to the sea. The next guy said, I think I can do better than those fellas. He psyched himself out. He said, I think I can. 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 I'm going to speak positive words. I'm going to believe positive thoughts. I, 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 I'm going to do several Hail Marys. I, I think I can do it. 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 And he backed up and he took a lot of breath and he ran. He ran to the edge of the precipice there and he leaped with all of his might and it just looked like he was going to touch the moon. And of course, you know the story. He fell to his death. Those rocks broke his body and the waves come up and took him out to sea. The moral of the story, the moral of the story is that the moon, although it looked so close, was 220,000 miles away. There was no way those men could jump to the moon. And yet we have people all over America who feel like they can jump through a hoop or two and make their way to heaven. And my dear friend, if you try your way, you'll die the same death those men died. The only hope, the only hope that we have is in Jesus Christ. That's it. Not in the pastor, not in the pope, not in the public, definitely not in the politician. The only hope you and I have of making it to heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question. Are you a child of God legitimately? It's why, preacher, I'm, 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 really, I'm really trying to memorize the Bible. That's wonderful. But that doesn't save you. Amen. You say, Pastor, we're really thinking about joining this church. That's wonderful. But that doesn't save you. You can be the greatest Baptist that's ever been since John the Baptist. And it won't take you to heaven. 
Are you a child of God legitimately? And by that I mean this. Have you accepted the free pardon of sin through Jesus Christ? You say, preacher, my grandpa's one of the greatest. Hang on just a minute. I'm sure your grandpa's a great guy. But your grandpa can't get saved for you. You say, a, a, a pastor, my uncle was a preacher. That's wonderful. I'm glad for your, for your uncle, and I mean that. But your uncle's salvation is not enough for you. I'm glad your uncle accepted Christ. I'm glad your grandfather accepted Christ. I'm glad that mom accepted Christ. But how about you? Have you accepted Christ? The Spirit of God has come to you and said, you need to be saved. Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? It was 1830, the year 1830. And a man by the name of George Wilson was convicted of robbing the U.S. mail. And how about this? He was sentenced to be hanged. Right before he was getting ready to be hanged, President Andrew Jackson issued a pardon for Wilson. But the story goes that George Wilson refused to accept the pardon. And so the issue went to the Supreme Court. And Chief Justice Marshall concluded that George Wilson will have to be executed. And this is the reason. He said a pardon is a slip of paper the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. And yet you understand how many thousands of people in America have heard about the pardon and they're refusing it? Not yet, preacher. I know I need to be saved. I know, not yet. Got too much living to do. Oh, my dear friend, if you only knew what you were missing without Jesus Christ. 30 years I've been pastoring this church. I've never had one come and say, Preacher, I, I, I rue the day that I got born again. Never had that happen. Never had it happen. I do have some old saints of God that have been saved 40, 50, 60 years that have come to me with tears in their eyes and say, Hey, Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened to me and I'm glad I got saved and I'm glad I'm a Christian. Oh, yes. I have had this happen. I've had people come to me with tears saying, Pastor, I wasted 20 years of my life. I wasted good years of my life if I'd have known that living for Jesus was this good. (laughs) Man, I'd have got in a long time ago. I'm glad that your relative has accepted the free pardon of sin. I'm I'm glad, but have you? Have you accepted Christ? You say, Pastor, I'm trying. No, let's get away from that trying thing. You know what ought to happen today? Listen, we're we're done. This is what Jesus said. Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And then he said, if any man will open the door, I'll come in and sup with him. It's not about your being confirmed. It's not about your religion. It's not about your good works. It's not about your church membership. Have you opened the door of your heart 
and allow Jesus to come in. If not, today ought to be the day. Today ought to be the day. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, thank you for this time that we've had together today. Lord, the Gospel of John says, but as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Father, it could be there's someone here today and they've been depending on their goodness. They've been depending on grandpa's religion. They've been depending on their prayer or on their good works. And Father, I pray today that you'd help some folks to say, Lord, once and for all, I admit that I'm lost. And right now, Lord, I'm inviting you into my heart and life. Jesus, would you save me right now? Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me of my sins. Lord, become my Savior right now. Take me to heaven when I die. Father, I pray that you would work in hearts today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder how many are here this morning and say, Pastor, if I, if I died today, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am born again. I know it. I can take you back to the time and the place. I know I'm saved. If you can honestly say that without anybody looking, would you just slip your hand up? And you can take it right back down again. Thank you so much. How about a second question? Is there one here today who would, you would care enough to at least slip your hand up and let me pray for you? I'll not pray for you by name. I'll not embarrass you. But I sure would like to pray for you. God don't know who you are. Pastor, if I died right now, I'm not 100% sure that I'd make it to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. How many are like that today? You'd slip your hand up right now. You'd raise it right now. I see that hand. Who else? Would you raise it high so I don't miss you? I see that hand. Is there somebody else today? Pastor, if I died, I'm not 100% sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Let me pray for you. Is there another anywhere? each one would reach one I wonder maybe if Christian if you may know of someone that's been depending on their good works for all these years but they're lost they're lost and maybe today during this invitation maybe it might not hurt for you to slip down to an old fashioned altar and just mention their name to the Lord today